The following is a message by Professor Josh Van E. of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. As you read through John's Gospel... One thing that strikes you is the emphasis on testimony. Testimony. You have John the Baptist testifying. You have Jesus testifying. The Father testifying. The woman at the well testifying. And you have the gospel writer himself testifying. He ends his gospel that way in uh, chapter 21, verse 24. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Uh, But this testimony is always supposed to lead to something. Uh, And so what goes along with it is belief. The call to believe. The testimony that you might believe. Um, And again, the gospel writer emphasizes that as the purpose of of his gospel uh, in uh, chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And this is the one other place where he really calls uh, his testimony out uh, in, uh, in chapter 19 here. Uh, where he talks about his testimony being true, his testimony so that you might believe. Uh, Because this passage, in this passage, we have details recorded that we don't find in the other Gospels. Uh, That Jesus, his legs were not broken. That his side was pierced. These are things that John saw. These are things that he has included as his testimony of what happened to Jesus. And so what's, what is the significance of, uh, of these details? The breaking of legs was a way to hasten death on the cross. And, uh, and so we, we see it brought about because of the Jews They're asking that death be hastened so that they will be able to be taken down before the Sabbath. Uh, That these these that have been put on a cross, that they will die sooner and so that they will not be hanging yet on the Sabbath. And we see that in verse 31. It was the day of preparation. Uh, It was the day of preparation for the Sabbath. But it's helpful that it wasn't just any Sabbath, too. John mentions it was a high day. And, uh, and as background, most commentators argue that as John portrays uh, the, the crucifixion and the time surrounding it, that uh, he presents the day of Jesus' death not as the day after the Passover, 
but as the day of the Passover. Uh, that as Jesus was dying, it was also the time when the Passover lamb was being slaughtered in preparation for the Passover that evening. And, uh, and so we have the Jews asking for this death to be brought quicker. And it's granted, but what is expected doesn't come about. They come and they break the legs of the first and of the other, but then they come to Jesus. And instead of the order being carried out to break the legs, we find that they're not broken. Um, instead, something else happens that wasn't commanded. The side is pierced. And, uh, and on one level, this highlights that Jesus is truly dead. That they came to speed up death. They found him dead. They made sure he was dead. And they left him dead. But John also testifies here because he connects it as a fulfillment of Scripture. He has two passages that he ties this with. I make this testimony, and then 36 and 37. For, because these things took place that the Scripture might be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another Scripture says, they will look on him they have pierced. Now we're going to focus on the first one of those. What is the significance of not, uh, no bones being broken? Uh, is it just an obscure detail or does it help uh, fill out the imagery also of Jesus' death? And the, the quotation there, most argue, is connected with the Passover uh, and, and its prescriptions. And so if you look in, uh, in Exodus 12, verse 46, you find that uh, as Moses is summarizing again uh, what, uh, what goes on with the Passover, he says, uh, It shall be eaten in one house, you shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. And uh, Numbers uh, 9, verse 12 has something very similar. Numbers 9, verse 12, when it's uh, recounted in the wilderness wanderings, uh, you read, um, they shall leave none of it until the morning, nor break any of its bones, according to all the statute for the Passover, they shall keep it. Uh, and, uh, and so it, uh, it seems rather likely that John is, is uh, looking at, uh, at these passages. But there's another text that some have argued uh, John is, is, uh, is quoting here. And that's Psalm 34, verse 21. Uh, and if you look at Psalm verse 34, it is uh, a psalm, the superscription says of David as he was, uh, after he pretended to be insane, as he was uh, running from Saul and had to pre pretend to be insane before Abimelech, uh, 
Uh, um, we read in verse 20, as God is talking, as it's talking about what God does to the righteous, it says, He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Uh, and, and so as we look at these, uh, there's been a debate. What's, what is John doing here? Which text is he alluding to? Uh, especially uh, since you find a lot of allusion uh, to various psalms in Jesus' sufferings. Uh, many prefer Psalm 34. But also there are the, the ties many other places with the Passover. Uh, and, uh, and so... There's a possibility that we don't have to pick which one. Uh, we do find this with the New Testament writers. They can combine and they can allude to both. And some have argued that's what we have here in the form that John quotes. Because he seems in the body of it to be quoting from uh, the Exodus or the Numbers passage. But then in the verb form, it's using the passive. Um, the passive that uh, is found in the psalm passage. Not one of the bones will be broken. Uh, and, uh, and so I think that's at least a possibility, and we'll, we'll explore that this morning. But to start out with the, the Passover illusion, why is that, um, why was that significant? What's, what is the purpose uh, for... Um, the Passover lamb, that its bones were not broken. And this is, again, you can find many different opinions. Why would you break the bones of an animal that, uh, that you were eating? And uh, some have tied it, well, maybe it's to suck the marrow out of the bones. And, uh, and so this was not something you did with the Passover lamb because of the haste imagery. Some have Tried to tie it with that, maybe. You eat it in haste, you don't have time to break the bones and suck the marrow out. Um, but that doesn't seem as, uh, as convincing. Uh, others look at it, and uh, they, uh, they say maybe there, there's the wholeness um, of the lamb, and it's symbolizing the unity and the wholeness of, of the house that's eating it, uh, it together, or the wholeness of Israel. Uh, and there may be something to that. Uh, others have tried to tie it uh, with some belief that uh, what you did with the, the lamb symbolized the good that you want to be done to those who partake of it. Uh, so by preserving its bones, you're, you're symbolizing the preservation of, of those who eat of it. Uh, but I would, I would argue a better way is, uh, is really to tie it to the earlier uh, prescriptions of, uh, of how you were to eat the Passover lamb. If you look earlier in Exodus 12, uh, as, uh, as Moses is commanding them on, uh, on how to eat the lamb, uh, you, uh, you read uh, that they're to put the blood on the doorposts, uh, and then uh, we'll start with verse 8. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs, 
and its inner parts. Now, we don't, we don't sacrifice like Israel. We don't cook like Israel. And so maybe the, the uniqueness of this doesn't jump out to us. We just read it and, and, and move right along. Uh, but, uh, but it really was a, a unique way to, uh, to prepare something. They kept it whole. They not only kept it whole, they kept the head on. They not only kept the head on, they kept the feet on. And not only that, they kept the internal organs in there. Now, the implication, and I think rightly, is that they clean them first. Um, they flush them. But it's as if they put the lamb all back together before they would roast it. And, uh, and as you read this beginning section of, of chapter 12, the interesting thing is it doesn't mention the one thing we're looking for here, anything about breaking bones. And, uh, and the Septuagint fixes that for us and adds it back in. Um, but uh, I would argue that that is what the breaking bones uh, is about. That you are not preparing this like you would normally, of a butchering, uh, cutting it up. Instead, you are keeping it whole, i.e. you're not breaking any of its bones. Uh, and so the prescription to, to not break bones is very similar to the prescription to roast it, head, uh, legs, and innards all together. Now, we should contrast this with uh, what we find in, uh, in the sacrificial system. In a sacrifice, you always had to cut it up. You always had to butcher it. Uh, and various portions went to the various proper places, the altar, to the priests, uh, and in the, the peace offerings, fellowship offerings, to the one who's offering it. Um, but there were always these different portions. And, uh, and the way it was cooked was most often boiled. Uh, this is prescribed for the priests, but often assumed elsewhere. And Micah 3.3 gives us a nice illustration of that. Uh, Micah 3.3, as it's using it as an analogy for what uh, uh, God's leaders are doing to his people, it gives us a, uh, an explanation of, of what they do. Um, who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Uh, and, uh, and so it's illustrating the normal, you skin an animal and, uh, and then you chop it up and you put it in your pot, uh, including breaking up the bones. And so here we have the Passover lamb is different from that. It is whole. It is roasted whole, not boiled. You're not allowed to boil it. It is taken that way, brought inside the one house where you're to eat it, and placed whole upon the table. Head, feet, 
and all. Everything there. The, the unity of this one lamb is visually right there before you. It's not lost in a big pot of lamb stew. It's instead plunked right on the table. And that unity seems to be important as there's this unity in everything else that goes on with the Passover. Because what's it supposed to be? It's supposed to be one family, one lamb. And if your family's too small, well, then you can join together, but you still have to eat it in one house. So one family, one lamb, one house, eating, eaten in one night. And, uh, and even the broader unity is seen in that if it's all killed, all the Passover lambs are killed at one time. Well, what, what is that symbolism showing us? Uh, I would argue it's that strong, it uh, uh, is a very strong way, a strong portrayal of this one lamb in place of the one who was to be killed if you didn't kill that lamb. This Passover was to protect Israel from that last plague, the death of the firstborn. And so it has a strong vicarious nature as you see that one lamb there. This one lamb, its death, its blood put on the, on the uh, door frame. It's eaten together as one family. It meant life. It meant life for those who were in that house. Protection from the plague. The angel of death as he passed by. And so I think John is evoking a lot of that here as he brings this passage and applies it to Jesus. Here John is testifying. They are out there slaughtering that one lamb. But here on the cross... Here is the one, the one given by his blood in which you can be saved. The one through his death, you can have life. The one who when you eat of him, you will be sustained. Jesus is that Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the world as John begins his gospel. But then what about Psalm 34? If John is really using that also, how does Psalm 34 fit into this? Well, Psalm 34 really shows us that it is God who is over all acting in this. And that death is not the end. That Jesus as this righteous sufferer, that suffering is not the end. And, uh, and we can illustrate with the, the verse right before 
the one that, uh, that John would be quoting from. So chapter 34, verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Jesus is this one who suffers in the ultimate way. The affliction is the ultimate affliction. And yet that wasn't the end. That was the way to glory. That was the way to bringing salvation to his people. And so God here is not going to abandon his Holy One to decay. But instead, he would rise again. And John is also the gospel where in chapter 20, as he now appears to his disciples, what does he show them? He shows them his hand and his side. Thomas says, I won't believe until I can put my finger there. And so Jesus says, come, put your finger there. It is I. I was dead, but now I am alive. And so we have this testimony of John. And it is this testimony that calls for belief. And as Jesus responded to Thomas, he said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. John saw, John has testified. May his testimony cause you to believe. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we are a weak and needy people, and our faith, it wavers. We pray that you will continue to strengthen us, and we thank you for your word, as in it we find the words of life, in it we find your work for us, accomplished on the cross. May we cling to that, and may we always turn to you. Turn back in our sin, in our struggles, knowing that your mercies are new each morning, that you loved us while we were your enemies, and that you will complete the work that you have begun in us. Bless us in the rest of this day and this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Copyright 2013, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.